Hey guys, welcome back to Klein Talk. Uh, this is the 10th episode. I'm sorry that I didn't make an episode last week. Uh, I just felt like I needed to take a break and to, yeah, clear my head because I had a lot of stuff going on. Uh, I participated in, like, a physics competition sort of thing um, and had a lot of work to do. And I made it into the next round of that competition, so um, I apologize if I miss any further weeks. Um, because, yeah, I have a lot of stuff going on. I'm trying to get these out every week, but sometimes that isn't possible. But thank you for <laughs> asking why I didn't upload and stuff like that. It's very nice to see that people actually cared that I didn't do anything, or, well, was doing other things. Um, and yeah, that really encourages me to make more of these episodes and to talk about more stuff that I think is important. So, as you can see by the title, uh, today's episode is a double, um, topic. So we're, I'm going to talk about two, two things. I think, uh, m many people have said the format of, like, talking about one big thing, um, can get boring and repetitive after a bit which I fully understand. So, um, I'm, maybe I'm gonna just talk about general stuff or maybe Jake Trapper can take over an entire episode and just talk about the news and just talk about what's going on um, because that's basically what I'm doing uh, this time or it's uh, just news stuff. But I think it's important and yeah, I'd like to inform you guys and also give my opinion on what happened. So yeah, we're going to talk about the Boeing first. Uh, it, the, the topic of the Boeing thing that I'm going to talk about is the Boeing, Boeing 737 MAX 8 and their newest plane, which in the past six months has crashed twice, one with, uh, once with Lion Air and once with e Ethiopian Airlines. And we're going to talk a bit about that after the news. And then Brexit, of course, um, if you've turned the TV on in the past few days, uh, stuff's really going badly in the UK, people really, there's a lot of turmoil, as is the choice word of the people there. They really don't know what's going to happen, and Brexit is, if I can count, in 10 days, so they extended it. Uh, like I said, they probably wouldn't, uh, but they did. Uh, but it was a very short extension. So April 12th is the new deadline. And um, yeah, so that's what we're going to talk about. But before we get into the main topics of today, we'll let Jake Trapper take over the news. So take it away. Hey guys, it's Jake Trapper with Channel 26 News, and let's get into this weekly news update. President Erdogan disputes election results. Brexit is taking a terrible turn, and global trade slumps because of the US and China. This is Channel 26 News. Erdogan, the president of Turkey, uh, has disputed election results in the in the capital Ankara in every single uh, district because 
his party suffered major losses in those districts. This isn't only true for Ankara, the capital, it's also true for other big cities like Istanbul, where he lost the election, while well, his party lost the election. And this is seen to show that, the, that he really isn't as invincible as he seemed or as he thought. Um, but yeah, they, his party is looking into the elections to see if there's any some any sort of fraud or anything like that. Um, and the International Com Commission will shoot soon say if they believe the AK party or not. Now, Brexit. In England, in the UK Parliament, they just had a few votes, uh, 12 on alternative Brexit plans. So plans that weren't like the one Theresa May presented to Parliament that was shut down three times up to now. And none of them passed, but one of them, notably the one to remain in the European Trade Commission, um, didn't pass by only three votes. So they were three votes away from deciding on something, but they didn't do it. Now, Michel Barnier says there will be, uh, it's most likely that there will be a hard Brexit, but uh, more on that later from Michael Klein. Global trade is supposed to be slower this year because of the US and China with tariffs that they have imposed on each other. So the US and China have been in a trade war for the past few weeks, past few months, um, and it was sort of resolved, but not really. People really aren't that happy with how it was dealt with, um, and global trade is supposed to be slower because of the higher prices of goods from both of those countries to both of those countries. Donald Trump, the president of the United States, threatened to close the Mexican border. Uh, the, what he means is close it entirely so no one could pass over it anymore. That includes illegal immigrants, of, well, of course they can't go over anyways, but that includes asylum seekers and delivery trucks, which is very bad for the sort of goods that were brought in from Mexico. So if you live in the US, you might want to watch out in your grocery store because your avocados might be more expensive soon because that because I got avocados are mostly imported from Mexico by truck into the US so yeah that could be a consequence of that but he has threatened to close it because of the huge amount of illegal immigrants that are coming over the border and also the huge amount of asylum seekers that the Border Patrol cannot deal with. The Algerian president, Mr. Bouteflika, has said he will resign at the end of this month uh, after a month of protests in Algeria, throughout Algeria. Um, he will not run for a fifth term and he will step down at the end of the month, but he's staying in office to set things right, as he said. And our last story today, Nipsey Hussle, a rapper from Los Angeles, California, was shot and killed uh, in front of his own line of clothing, his own clothing store. Now, I'm personally not a fan, but I know Michael Klein is, and I feel very sorry for everyone's loss. Um, the LAPD says they do suspect gang violence as the suspected killer was part of a gang, and since Nipsey Hussle was trying to stop gang violence throughout LA, uh, the gangs didn't really like that. So that is the suspected cause. This is Channel 26 News. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Thank you, Jake Trapper, for 
the informative news segment. And now we're going to get back to the main topics of today. So the first one, as I said, is going to be Boeing. Now, for the people that don't know, Boeing is the company that makes um, about half of all airplanes that you fly in. The other big company is Airbus. Um, but yeah, Boeing is a giant in the industry, um, and they yeah they make a lot of planes. And their newest plane, the 737 Max, uh, 737 Max 8. Uh, is the is part of a recent controversy so it's only about two years old if I have this correctly uh, which is very young for an airplane and they recently they crashed um, six six months ago and about a month ago so uh, the most recent crash was the 10th of May with an Ethiopian Airlines crash both the crashes together the Lion Air and the Ethiopian Air one had about three uh over 300 people dead about 350 i think and yeah so people were looking into the crashes separately and realized there were some similarity similarities can't say that word similarities between the two crashes now what they mean with similarities is that they both went down within 10 minutes i think after takeoff and they both exhibited a similar software failure right before the crashing. So the reason they know the software failure was the same was because with the voice recorder of the cockpit, which uh, for me is a very difficult sort of topic to think about listening to those people um, flying the plane and then crashing, I, I would never want to do that job. That seems extremely... Um, yeah, it seems extremely terrible to me to listen to that. But from the voice recorder, they could hear that the pilots uh, it had the same software problem. And the, the problem that they had was that the plane was nosediving. Now, people have, um, have some wrong ideas about how this happened. Um, I heard recently that people thought that uh, there was some sort of miscommunication with some sort of motor on the wing that made it dive but the the real way that it is and I'm taking this off um, Boeing's official statement uh, uh, well uh, yes sort of Boeing's statement they made to CNN uh, so the thing is they um, if you think of an airplane they have their uh, turbines that power the the airplane um, mostly during takeoff and landing, uh, underneath the wing, most airplanes. Now, the Boeing 737 MAX, to sort of, um, as I'm, I'm looking at a picture here, doesn't have them directly under the wing, but has them sort of in front of the wing. So, um, you can pull up a picture yourself. Uh, they're, yeah, so it's, it's sort of in front of the wing, and not under the wing, and this new design was to counterbalance the um, large amount of people that would be sitting behind the wing because there's a big place and of course the people in the economy sit closer together and this was for that because it was such a large plane uh, that's what the idea was but the turbines usually weren't enough to counterbalance this um, 
weight of the people in the back. General, mostly, of course, during takeoff when the plane is leaning backwards a little bit, if you can follow me here. So, what happened with the, uh, with this counterbalancing during the, um, during takeoff is that they implemented a software patch to, uh, sort of help with this, to, um, try and counter counterbalance this sort of effect and this effect would only happen when the plane was going very slowly so oh <laughs> relatively slowly of course it's quite fast um so this is during takeoff and landing now the difference between takeoff and landing is is that um with takeoff you're trying to go from that leaning back position into a straight position into cruising and in uh, when you're landing, you're trying to go from cruising back into that tilted position to land because planes always land on their back wheels first. Now, uh, that's why this this most likely why this airplane only crashed after takeoff and not directly before landing because the struggle was to get into a cruising leveled position. Now, how they fixed this was with a software patch that, oh, not a software patch, with a software sort of uh, program that had sensors in the front and detected airspeed. And it also, of course, the, the most, uh, most of the, um, the airplanes obviously already have sensors for airspeed and uh, tilt and stuff. So it took the information from the airspeed and the tilt to then see if it needed to tilt the plane down. So to sort of nosedive it a little bit, just so it wouldn't stall. Because if airplanes fall back too much, if they lean up too much, if you uh, know what I'm talking about, they stall, which is they don't have enough um, lift underneath their wings because the front of the wing isn't pointing forwards enough isn't pointing towards the direction of movement enough for it to generate enough lift. So that's why they it wanted to nosedive. But these these uh, communications between the program and the sensors were apparently faulty, sometimes generally right after takeoff when the airspeed was low and the angle was high. Uh, so it was uh, the airplane's very angled, of course, to... Sorry. To... Uh, <laughs> Sorry about that. To um, yeah, the, to get to cruising altitude, which led the program to believe that they were going too slow and the angles too high, so it wanted to nosedive the plane. And now, since Boeing was so so confident in their the software, they didn't let people manually override it very easily, and um. It was very hard to do this. You needed to input a bunch of codes, and many pilots weren't educated on this. We know of one incident where there was a pilot with uh, the other um, a pilot in the cockpit that wasn't actually flying that knew how to deal with this a day before the Ethiopian airline crash, and could was able to fix the software problem, and then. Uh, save the plane from crashing, but this wasn't uh, reported 
quickly enough to ground the planes and then cause an investigation. The investigation happened after the Ethiopian Airlines crash. Now, the Boeing has sort of admitted to the software being at fault, um, and they're issuing a software patch right now, in, and all the planes are grounded. Uh, the international regulation sort of uh, the International Regulation co um, Commissions that regulate planes have grounded all of them and they're going to test them thoroughly when the new software patch comes out, um, of course. And so, they're... so now, we everyone's wondering, well, is this design for a plane still good? Um, because it's taking longer and longer for Boeing to actually bring out this software patch. They said they would bring it out this week, but now they're going to delay it a few more weeks, as reported by CNN. Um, they Because they said, and I'm quoting, additional work is needed on the software. So uh, people are really mad at Boeing because they had a software that wasn't man able to be manually over overwritten um very easily um and they didn't teach their pilots how to deal with this or why this was happening because as um as i said before with the terrible work of listening to the people in uh, the plane to the voice recorders they didn't know why their plane was nosediving they weren't aware of how this happened um, and what was going on and thus weren't aware of how to fix it. Um, so, uh, yeah, Boeing stock dropped, of course, and people are wondering oh, if they should even fly on Boeing anymore. Now, many airlines, seeing that it was a purely 737 MAX 8 problem, uh, are running, still um, flying all other Boeing planes, but People generally are very cautious now because they feel like Boeing isn't doing its job correctly, sort of, um, which is sort of, I guess, uh, justified the way they're thinking on this because it, yeah, Boeing didn't do their job correctly. And if they stop flying on Boeing airlines, if they, uh, Boeing airplanes, so if they pressure the airlines to stop uh, having stop buying these airplanes, they might actually have a change, which I think is very good. But I don't think this is like the only thing that Boeing could do to gain, uh, the only thing that people should do with Boeing. So what I definitely think they should do is um, have an official apology, um, of course, to all the families and all the people that had loved ones that died in the crash. Um, but I don't think that's the only thing. I think that that uh, um, the way that they're going to retrain the pilots and the software update is very good. It's a good idea, but I feel like there much more could be done in education and understanding of how the stuff works, even though it's very complicated. I think the pilots should know, and especially the airlines should know, what um, new features there are of the Boeing um, 737 MAX because um, if I have this right, the people that knew 
about the plane one earlier were automatically certified to fly this plane, and that was a new feature, the um, software that made them nosedive. So I feel like if more information was given, more education was done in this sector, um, it would be much better. Yeah, with that, I think we're done with the Boeing uh, story, and we can move on to Brexit. So now, uh, Brexit. So it's been a developing story, as you've probably seen if, uh, as I said before, you've turned on the TV in the past few days. So a lot has happened. Um, Theresa May's Brexit deal was den um, denied another time in Parliament. So they tried to vote on it again with the additional promise that Theresa May gave that she would resign as um, Prime Minister if her deal got through. And yet it still suffered defeat. Um, so people really don't like that deal. So uh, facing a no deal Brexit, a lot of MPs wanted to have alternatives to what Theresa May proposed. And so they voted on alternatives to Theresa May's deal. 12 in the entirety, I think. It was eight on Sunday and four on Tuesday. Uh, sorry, four on Monday. Uh, I'm unsure if they're going to vote on more again, but I assume so because, as I said, Brexit is on April 12th. That is in 10 days. That is extremely close. So it's it's a really bad situation because they have the the, the fact that um, yeah Brexit is in ten days and up right now since none of the deals were accepted they're facing a no deal Brexit and as um, Michelle Barnier the lead negotiator uh, for uh, Brexit of the EU said he is, thinks that no deal is very very likely which as i detailed in my last brexit episode it would be very bad for everyone people assume there's some going to be a decrease of nine percent or uh, up to over 15 percent um in the nation's economy which would be very bad uh of course and there would also be a decrease in the eu's economy but um I feel like the best strategy for them would still be to not give them give them an extension, uh, which I said last time. I th I wouldn't have given them an extension, but they did. So, well, I guess I was wrong. I thought they wouldn't, but that's how it happened. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, shows you that someone recording a podcast isn't always right. Uh, looking at you, Alex Jones. But the thing is that they really are running out of time again so only 10 days left without a deal and i think it's going to stay this way this time but don't take that for granted because i've been wrong before just like now but yeah they they really have to work on that and i think it's a a bit of a i don't know if kick in the teeth is the right word but it's it, it was they had it coming because the way they handled it, the way that Theresa May negotiated for two years without ever discussing with Parliament, I mean, not without ever discussing with Parliament, without ever having Parliament vote on progress, is something that was uh, really bad. And I think people that voted for Brexit will now have felt that it was a bad idea, or they, or as it always is with something that doesn't turn out well, um, 
they feel like they had the right idea, but it was implemented badly. Um, so, I mean, I disagree with Brexit, but you can agree with Brexit if you want to. It's you know, fully within your right. But yeah, I just feel like the way they it was implemented definitely wasn't good. But I also disagree with the idea. Now, going forward from this, um, if Britain leaves the EU, it's, I doubt they would let them in again, even if people voted for that. Um, and so one of the uh, 12 sort of motions that they voted on was to remain in the EU. And that was shut down. One of the, the one that got the most votes, which was to re um, negotiate with the European Union to remain in the European Commission, the uh, sorry, the European Trade Commission, so they would remain in the sort of trade area of the EU, um, was denied by only three votes. So they were really close to actually agreeing on something, to actually thinking that something is good and saying, well, we should actually vote for that, but they did not. So uh, I, think, I think it shows how much uh, Britain's politics is really, it's sort of a crisis of politics in Britain right now. And I think, um, yeah, that decisions like this shouldn't be underestimated. And uh, I think people took it lightly, didn't research it, as I've heard the most searched term on Google the day after Brexit was, what is Brexit? So I think that it really shows how these things can turn out if the population isn't, isn't educated. Here in uh, Switzerland, I think it's implemented a little bit better, where they sent out a booklet with the information on... Um, why people say yes, why people say no to each proposition that there is for uh, for parliament, uh, sorry, for voting for the people. Well, that's also because um, people vote more here, so we vote every like four months on a bunch of stuff. Well, I don't, but we do. And so the... Yeah, so the... Um, I feel like sending out that informative booklet, telling people what they're voting for, even though it's a non-binding referendum, which it was, the they really should try and inform the public more. And I know, I know that people did inform the public with wrong information and people believed it, which is a bit of the public's fault. But also I think the government's fault because there should have been an officially issued government statement on why they think it's good or why they think it's bad. That might have helped to avoid this situation that we have right now. But even though the situation is this bad, so to say, they are asking for an extension and the EU might give it to them again. But I doubt it this time, and Michel Barnier said they probably won't. So, uh, yeah, I'm inclined to believe him uh, since he's the lead negotiator, but that's sort of what's what it looks like is going to happen and i really hope they sort of make the right decision somehow but i don't know how uh, they they're really indecisive and yeah the next thing that might happen is general elections might be called which might help the situation but i i doubt it um so yeah i think we should we should just really hope that the world survives this 
a political crisis because it really is a good political and economical, especially crisis that could affect um, everyone in the world, um, but especially the people in the UK and the people in Europe. So yeah, with that, I'm going to end this podcast episode. So uh, thank you for listening. It's good that you guys are back, even though I skipped a week. I'm sorry about that. But as I said, I did have a lot to do. And I apologize for any further inconveniences, any further uh, episodes that might not appear on Spotify or wherever you're listening to this podcast. So yeah, I'd like to thank Anchor again, uh, as I do every episode. I love their website. They do really great stuff. Um, it's a <coughs> sorry. It's a great way to make your own podcast. It's free. If you want to, you can hop on the site, anchor.fm. Uh, Yeah, so that's it. See you next week.